Welcome to the Spot Actor Podcast. I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. On today's podcast, we're discussing practical ways to achieve balance in your life. What does that even mean? What does balance even mean? Well, we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. It does involve incorporating more play in your life. My guest is speaker and author Jenny Ward, who has crossed the continent bringing play, work-life balance, and work-life workshops to Visa, Google, YouTube, Merrill Lynch, the Girl Scouts, YMCA, Stanford, Dove, Nickelodeon, and many other corporations and nonprofit organizations. Her individual clients have enjoyed working with Jenny on parenting and play, stress management, recovery and meditation, and play-based living. Her work has been recognized in many media outlets. Jenny majored in psychology and received her MFA in dance education, choreography, and performance education from NYU. She's also a licensed yoga educator, wellness coach, and the author of Who Said So? 101 Ways to Play, and Who Said So? About Parenting. In today's interview, we discuss what balance in life really means and how curiosity, play, and other techniques can help you achieve more balance in your life. So please enjoy this interview. Jenny, it's so great to have you on my podcast. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great. Um, so I know we, we talk a lot about in life, especially women, I think we talk about having balance in our life, having that work-life balance. And it's easy to say, oh, I want more balance in my life. But to actually, you know, incorporate and to make it a reality is a whole other thing. And I think that you have kind of a unique approach on ways to make that happen. So first yes. of all, can you start with your background and, and what led you into doing what you do? Yes. Um, I initially was in uh, theater and I was a performing artist and uh, I did a lot of soap operas. There's not a lot of soap operas anymore. <laughs> I was on television um, back in the day and I was a professional dancer. Um, but I also had this background in psychology and women's studies. Uh, and I lived in New York City and I did that for about 15 years. But I was always curious about creativity and how. Um, even in the arts, I had to be, I had to audition and get rejected. Um, and even the expression of something that I was so passionate about was even limited there. Um, and so I was more drawn to the psychology of it. I left New York City and started writing articles on the importance of using creativity and stress. Um, how can we navigate communicating as women and being empowered as mothers? Um, so that led me to play ward. It led me to be more um, drawn to play. And then I became a mom and then I became a single mom. Uh, and now I'm at a place where it's evolved into what is, um, how can stress be my friend? How can I use it instead of be against it? What, what the heck is balance? Like, I don't even, um, and how can I create my own version of that as opposed to taking somebody else's version and try and implement it into my own life, which usually doesn't work. So um, 
now I speak with parents and children. I'm working with educators on how to also help children navigate finding balance, how to regulate their own feelings, how to be in relationships with each other, um, because it's a fascinating word that I don't think we really know anything about, actually. I think what we're craving at the, at the end of the day is freedom to have our own way of living. Um, and maybe that equals balance, but I'm not sure. So, um, so yeah, I'm a speaker and I do a lot of different modalities around, particularly parents and women. Yeah, well, that's great. So balance, I think about balance. I think of, um, I think about what people think of, you know, feeling, feeling balanced, uh, feeling like, oh, you know, I can, I can figure out time for everything and I feel comfortable with my life and I've got enough of the work and I've got that figured out and I've got enough of um, you know, social, family, fun, all that stuff. I've got time for all of that and I feel good about it, right? And so, but it is tricky. It's really tricky. And I yeah. think this idea of finding, you know, being curious and finding opportunities for play in all areas of our life and not having to say like, here's my fun time and that's separate from everything else, right? Like yeah. how do we incorporate that fun and that, that, you know, passion and excitement and fun in life in everything that we do? Yeah, I think the you mentioned curiosity and I like that philosophy on life. I feel that even sometimes, even we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to find balance. You know, it's like, I wasn't balanced today. And it's like, we get into this ah, uh, cycle of having to achieve and having to do it right and having to get it right. And I think those are the moments where play and curiosity and compassion can really become our friends. Like, can we laugh a little bit about it? Can we lighten up about, you know, the fact that we didn't fit in the five minute meditation that we have to do every single day. And, um, because I think that is a way of softening how we talk to ourselves. Um, and self-talk is a, a really important aspect of finding balance. It's an important aspect of taking care and nurturing yourself and, um, having a childlike wonder towards life as opposed to a regimented compartmentalized um it does lighten the the, the mood it's also um it's really easy to make work this and family that and you know put this in different categories but the one that's the central piece of all of those are us. It's like, how are we approaching work? How are we approaching family? How are we, how are we playing with these different parts of our lives? Um, and, and how are we meeting it? So if I'm meeting work with real seriousness, and if I'm meeting work like um, that I have to be one particular way, there's no room for curiosity or growth in those ways. So I think it's more about understanding that we're the director we're in charge of, of how we play with all aspects of our life. Um, and it's a shift of empower. It's more empowering mm -hmm. as opposed to life is happening to me. I'm, I'm playing a director in my life. So mm -hmm. how do I want this scene to go today? Or how do I want this scene to go today? It's really amazing. Um, but I think the lack of compassion can cause us to spiral if, because a lot of women come to me and like, I'm not, finding balance and they're putting a lot of pressure in finding something. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's not about finding anything. It's 
really, you know, asking yourself questions and being more curious about what's unbalanced in your life, what feels yeah. unbalanced, and then taking it from there. Um, does that make sense? It's yes, more of yeah. a softer approach. Right, right. Certainly we don't want to give ourselves another reason to beat ourselves up, right? So, but what are, I know I, I heard you speak at a conference and um, you gave some exercises to help people think more about incorporating curiosity and play. So what are some of the, the tools that you give people? What are some of those things? Well, I think uh, it's so, it can't be, like it's overstated quite a lot, but it's so simple is breath. I mean, I think transitions are extremely challenging for kids, but they're also tricky for adults as well. Like we do it every day. We go from one thing to another, to another, to another. Um, but I like to call it the pause where you put your phone down, you're sitting in your car, wherever you're about to enter into the next aspect of your day and just pause. And it could be for five seconds. It could be for 10 seconds. Some people now are doing it for five minutes. But it's, it's deactivating all of the activity that's gone on. It's removing the screen time and just sitting there. Um, and for kids, it's, it's also called being bored, you know? <laughs> like they're just sitting there like, but what's happening is it's sort of reframing our body. And I think we're forgetting that our body needs to also compress um, in order to enter into the next thing that we're supposed to be doing. It also helps shift our brain and remove what we left and kind of come into a new scene. So breathing or sitting quietly in between transitions is important. And I encourage parents to also make their kids do it as well. Just quiet time, whatever that means where we're not doing anything. Um, another wonderful way of, of dealing with, as an adult, with dealing with feelings and emotions is asking a lot of questions. So asking yourself questions, what is really going on here? Um, can I find a different way of looking at this? Um, it, how can I like myself more in this moment? How, what can I do that's uh, beneficial to my, my good and my health right now? So asking more questions as opposed to getting caught up um, in life happening to you. So I think pausing is something that we forget to do. Um, and it creates more of a coming back to the self. So we're coming more from the center. Um, and more often than not, even with children, they can have more empowering, they feel more empowered of over their life as opposed to it's happening to them all the time. So pausing, breathing, asking questions, being more curious, how can I like myself more in this moment? Um, what could I have done differently next time? As, and, and then moving on, um, kind of stops the energy of <laughs> all the time that we put ourselves in. Right, um, right, yeah, yeah, and I, I love this idea of the the childlike curiosity uh, of of describing it that way. If you think about, which I know you talk about, um, how do how do children how do children look at things? How do children look at the world? And as we get older, we get further away from that. And there's something very pure and healing and grounding and balancing about that finding. Uh, curiosity in life and the little things like, you know, stopping and noticing things that we just forget to look at. I think it also it goes into our dynamics with people and relationships and how we 
whether we are aware of it or not, how we do kind of take it for granted, how we take life for granted. And I think that for me, when um, play comes into importance when it's hard. So like when you do grieve or when you are in pain or you are angry, those are the moments where it's tricky to find the play. And finding the play means how can I be more compassionate towards myself in this moment? Um, and, you know, life is a mystery most of the time. We don't particularly know what we're doing ever, really. Like we think we do, but we don't really know what we're doing. And so to remember that we're still in charge of creating this play. We're still in charge of creating our life. And, you know, we have the power to change our minds and change the story whenever we want. And kids do that all the time. Like they fall, they bruise their knee, they get up and they move right on. They don't like think about it for days. They don't go to therapy for years. Like therapy's great, but they don't relish in feelings for that long. They're able to really understand that there is more to the, the sandbox that they can explore and they don't have to be so limited in thinking it's this way. Um, so for me, it's life is play. This is our big play. We have dramatic scenes, we have painful scenes. And in those moments, it's really honoring the child inside of yourself. Um, because so often we treat children with compassion, but we forget that we are still children inside. Like we still have that part of ourselves that needs to talk to our own selves the same way we would talk to a child or our own children. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when you talk to, like, let's talk about more about that. How do you talk to a child differently than you talk to yourself? I mean, I'm still practicing this. I feel <laughs> I am a recovering perfectionist. Like I was petrified of making mistakes when I was a child. I still, you know, have to talk myself into trying new things, even if I'm not going to be good at it. So it's, it's really redirecting the way that I talk to myself. Um, and I wonder in those moments, like I would never talk to my daughter that way. I wouldn't be like, you probably won't do great at it and you shouldn't even try it. You know, I would never, it yeah. wouldn't even come into my mind. I would be like, you totally can do it. I believe in you and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to fail. And so I think the, I have to remember how I talk to myself is equally as important as how I would talk to my students, my daughter. Um, and I forget that often. It's a practice for me. I, I think that is so valuable. I think that we're so hard on ourselves that we are our worst critics. We uh, see the, the, all the flaws in ourselves and we're so hard on ourselves. Um, and we would, never talk, I mean, I mean, I think most people anyway, um, wouldn't talk to our children or, you know, if you, if you think of yourself, I mean, even if you like look in the mirror and you imagine yourself as a child or whatever it takes, like, or close your eyes, imagine yourself as a, as a little kid, like, how would you talk to your little child? Would you really say those things? Right. And no, you wouldn't. And so how can you reframe it? Right. How can you, how can you talk to yourself and in a more loving way, in a more gentle way, in a more playful way, and, and allow more of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that I think that's so so important. And I know you you um you also are are exploring a lot with emotions, like you mentioned about. 
anger and sadness and, and how, and again, this is something we learn from children. Children, like when they're upset, they, everybody knows, like, you know what kids are thinking and they're just like, you know, they get upset, they cry and then they're, you know, they go on. Right. Yes. And, and as we get older, we suppress our emotions. Like anger is bad. Sadness is bad. These are things that we need to hold back or we have judgments about it. We have judgments of others. And yeah, there is, there's a time and place for everything. And we can't all like act like kids and throw temper tantrums all the time. <laughs> but there's also balance in this, right? And our emotions. Yes. Yes. So talk some about that, about what your exploration in that. I definitely feel, um, I've always been fascinated with anger and grief. Um, I was told as a child that we had, I just had to be happy all the time. So that's how I was raised. So I had a very interesting relationship to anger. I didn't particularly know what to do with it when I felt it. So, um, and I noticed in society, it has a negative rep, you know, it's like, and it's one of the most important, it's equally as important as joy. I mean, anger is a fuel and, and we can have a healthy approach towards it. Like it's, it's sharing something with you. It's information um, that needs to be explored. So I'm working with myself and with other people and how do I relate to anger differently? When my child is angry and throwing a temper tantrum, why does it trigger me so much? Why am I triggered by anger? Why do I need to fix it? Why do I want it to go away? I mean, asking all these kinds of questions because it makes us feel uncomfortable. There's something about anger that makes us feel uncomfortable. So I'm more curious about, um, can I be uncomfortable with it? Do I have to change that? Do I have to do anything about it? And how can I use this feeling and do something with it? Maybe set a boundary, maybe learn how to say no more maybe stop saying yes when I want to say no, you know? So all these things that maybe don't have a relationship with someone that is not healthy for me. Um, so anger invites me to look at what's not working, um, but making sure that it's not coming from a place of, oh, I'm doing bad or I'm poor, I'm, something's wrong with me. It's like, it's showing me something that I need to look at. Kids are innately strong at expressing their anger. They know exactly when something's not working for them. I think too often uh, kids get labeled as aggressive or they're hitting too much. And I think they're just trying to figure out their relationship to anger. And I don't think we need to worry that much about it. As parents, as educators, I find, kids are getting labeled way too early. Um, so, and anger isn't really the issue. It's just, they have to figure out how to deal with it and express it in ways that work for them that aren't hurting themselves or other people. Um, anger and grief, I find, is another one where um, no one really knows what to do with it. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Uh, you can't fix it. Um, and I do find that we're, not allowing our children, ourselves as a society to really have open discussions about grief. Um, and because it's too uncomfortable for most people, I was one of those people. I just didn't want to play in that emotion at all. I resisted it for years, even um, in my own work. I just didn't want to, and then my, I lost both of my parents. I lost my fiance and I had to, grief. I had to look at this feeling. And now I'm noticing that um, it's the area where play is the most essential. It's where how I can look at life with more curiosity and not take it for granted. Like it sort of feeds into my child, 
like Wonder of the World because life is so short. So it's really enhanced my play. It's really enhanced how I view play as being so essential. Um, because too often we do take things for granted and they could go very quickly. Um, and, you know, kids don't know that yet. They live here and they're like, oh, this is so great, you know? So it's kind of grief and play are very intertwined for me. Um, and that's something I've become more and more fascinated with lately. Yeah. So you have a book, 101 Ways to Play. Yeah. Yeah, obviously we don't have time for 101 ways <laughs> during the interview. But can you can you give us an examples of some of those ways to play? Um, well, one I think there's a few. Um, my daughter actually helped with some of them, but one of them was make sure every day tell someone that you love them, and in in different ways, it had verbally, write it in notes, um, and do it every day for 30 days. And it doesn't have to be for a holiday. It's, it's really an energetic high. It makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. Um, drive a different way to work. Wear, wear something you would never wear to work. Wear a different tie. Wear different shoes. Um, find a different way to drop off your kid at school. Find a different way to pick them up at school. Um, sometimes allow your kids to make breakfast for a week. Um, and it could be anything they want and you and go on an adventure with your kid that you would have never thought doing. So it's more about stepping outside of your day-to-day -day activity and seeing if you can add a little something into it. Um, one of my favorites, and I had a, a group of moms that were doing this, which was really funny, um, make put glitter on something every day. So they got these glitter boxes. Um, and they just ended up doing it for like three months. They thought it was just so funny, like putting sprinkling glitter on this, sprinkling glitter on that. So it reminded them it wasn't really about the glitter. It was about stepping outside of what the day-to-day -day could feel like monotony and adding a little of fun into it and play and lightness. Um, uh, go to meters where you people park and put quarters in everybody's meter. Sort of like giving back and being like the angel meter and like laughing and playing in that way. So it's it's more of um, feeling good as opposed to doing your day-to-day -day activity and, and offering service and, and gratitude to other people, which I believe is there should be way more <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Gratitude is so huge. Um, and uh, yeah, there's so much in that. You, one of the things you mentioned was finding a different way to drop off your child at school. Can you, can you explain what that would be? Um, a couple of examples are you can skip your kid. It depends on how old your kid is. So you skip your kid <laughs> into that would not be particularly. No, my sister would be mortified. My, my daughter would be mortified. She'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Um, skipping into work with uh, into school with them, uh, wearing some sort of like costume that's like Superman with your kid, like finding a different way, um, going in a different, going into the room a different way. You can do sideways, you can do low, medium, high. Uh, you have to go in as birds, you have to go in as gorillas, like very playful. Obviously, the age of the kid really, really matters. Um, and for teenagers, you know, it's interesting because play for them is different. My daughter's a teenager. Um, but I still find that there are ways that we can, I can play with her that are not as cheesy or embarrassing. 
for her, but even just talking in, in, in the car with her or doing something about listening to her music and, you know, dancing with her, I still feel like I can play in a way with her that maybe not in front of her friends, but just to show her that I'm not going to get old. I'm not going to stop playing. I don't care if she's a teenager or not. Like, I think it's important to keep modeling that for her, whether she does it with me or not. Um, Cause I don't want her to have the philosophy that you get old and you stop playing or you stop trying something new or being silly. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I have something with my kids, uh, started with free, what we called freaky Friday. And I would, um, pick up my kids from school and they would know this and I, they'd all have, um, blindfolds, bandanas they put over their eyes and I would give them clues as to, you know, where was the first place you're going. And actually what how, what, the reason why it started is I had errands to run. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I had little kids and I was like, how am I going to keep them entertained? So, I mean, it would be like going through the car wash, but they have to guess where we were going. That's perfect. The bank and, you know, like they're, you know, or some, and I would, I would get them to the park in between somewhere and have their bikes hidden in the back or something, but it was making something that's so mundane and could be so boring and a drag for everybody into something fun. And it does require a little bit of energy, extra energy, a little bit of more creativity. Yes. I tell you what, my kids still talk, they're teenagers now, they're all and they still talk about it. And my 12-year-old will still say, mom, can we do another Freaky Friday? And what we would do is sometimes it would be, um, you know, it would be like a Wednesday and I'm like, okay, uh, it's a wacky Wednesday, you know, like this, <laughs> totally just come up with something new. Um, and, uh, and so, and then their friends would start talking about it too. Can I come over for Freaky Friday? And like, okay, I can't just run errands. <laughs> We're going to do something else. But I mean, I think there's, there's a way to make, you know, seemingly boring things more fun, more interesting. Yes. And I think it's the same way with, and not just with kids. So, so for people who don't have kids, it's also just adult activities. Like, going and you know getting exercise all the different ways that you can have fun with exercise yes um i took a group of my friends up and it was it was funny because they were like what are we doing took them up um on a hike and we sledded all the way down on this trail and you know it's and it was one of those things where um they had so much fun and yes you don't really think about oh you're getting exercise during all of this right yes. to try and figure out what are the ways that we can play in the different activities that normally don't seem like a lot of fun? And I really do think that's a, it's a great way to create more balance in your life. Yes. It, and, and the cool thing is we forget that we're capable of doing that. We really do. We forget like, Oh wait, I could actually change my mind and shift my perspective and realize something different that I didn't know about myself because I'm going to make this fun. I'm going to make this more enjoyable. Like maybe I like running sideways and I didn't realize, I, you know, like you don't. And I think the more empowering you feel and the more play you have, it's, it feeds into balancing everything. Cause when you feel good, you approach every aspect of your life differently. So it's, it's really an extension of wellness and taking care of yourself is, is finding ways to bring play into it. And I think we all can do it. We just forget. Yeah. <laughs> I think singing is another thing that I think about. A, yeah. That's another great way to make something a lot more fun with kids. Sometimes you, you can, something that you're trying to message, you're trying to get across. If you sing it to them instead, yeah. 
They're like, what, what's going on here? And same thing with work. I will, I, I for a while, I, I came up like kind of like a theme song for my company. And I would just, you know, I start singing during one of our team calls and make everybody sing along with me. And they're like, oh my God, she's crazy. <laughs> but everybody's laughing and they're, you know, they think it's fun. So yeah. And laughter really is the best medicine. It just makes you, makes everyone feel good. And it's very, very simple, which is great. It's free. <laughs> right, right. I mean, what are some of the ways that you, what are your favorite ways to help people remind them to laugh? What are, what are some, I mean, obviously telling jokes is, is an easy one. Yes. I think the first thing is that I, especially with adults, cause kids, it's so easy to play with them primarily. Um, but I find the in with adults, especially is when there is to say something that I really like about them or I really appreciate about them. Most often than not, they're kind of like, you know, and, and I'm like, well, what's so funny about that? I really, because I think we're not used to doing that to each other. Um, not all the time. We're in ways like, oh, gosh, I really appreciate the fact that you think that way. That's so cool. Like lightening up or reminding them that there's something of value about who they are. I think that's my invitation to getting the, just the light, lightness of the mood. Um, and it feels good. And sometimes they're awkward and they're shy and, you know, and I could keep playing with that, but uh, really coming in with appreciation most often is an entry for play for adults in particular. Cause I don't, unless it's a holiday, you know, sometimes we forget to tell people, even people that we work with, colleagues, like, wow, I, that's super cool. I love that you did it that way. That's so cool. That's amazing. And they're like, Ooh. it just, it's, kids do that with each other all the time. They're like, that was awesome. I love your outfit. You look so great. You know, that's so cute. I love when you do that. And like adults are so scared of um, being vulnerable, maybe in that way. Well, I think also too, people become, people start to think at least, I think in certain, you know, cultures and, and, and different ways that, that compliments, like it's, it's bad to take a compliment. you like, you yes. can't acknowledge a compliment. Like, Oh no, 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 no. Like, no, really, really. You can't just like, can't accept it. So then it becomes this awkward thing of like, no, no, well then <laughs> I'm sorry. I said that. <laughs> so then people just avoid compliments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't. And I think there's play in that on some level. Like you can really play in there and be like, you, come on, you're awesome. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I love this idea of incorporating more play into everything that we do, into, into work, into family, into um, exercise, into the things that we know are things that we're supposed to do, but maybe are, we're trying not to do like it. And it can be around eating healthy foods, like having fun, um, creating play and, and making meals and, uh, gardening and, and all of that, getting outdoors and incorporating nature because I think yes. there's so much healing and all of that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today and talking to us more about creating balance and and incorporating ways to, to play. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you, where they can find your books, and uh, yeah, where they find you. Yeah, um, my website is jennymward.com, and my books are um, Who Said So and 101 Ways to Play, and they're both on Amazon. Great. All right. Well, thank you, Jenny, for coming on. I appreciate your information. Thank you. <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Jenny Ward and learn some ways to incorporate more play and curiosity in your life so you can achieve more balance in your life as well. So to learn more about Jenny, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with their interview, and you'll find all the information there. And while you're there, I invite you to join the Spa Doctor community so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. And if you haven't already gone to theskinquiz.com, you can go there to find out what messages your skin is trying to tell you about your health, what you can do about it. Your skin is your magic mirror, giving you great information. So this is a great tool to help you that I created just for you theskinquiz.com is where you can find it. Also, I invite you to join me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. Join the conversation and I'll see you next time on the Spot Doctor podcast.